0: 14 more sleeps, as if you want to be reminded of that, until we remember and celebrate the birth of God's Son upon earth. This day should bring happiness to us all, not just because we have a holiday or we have a nice meal, give and receive presents, but rather because we have been given the greatest gift anybody could ever be given the gift that results in our salvation as jesus said i have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness will you pray with me our dear heavenly father please give us grace today to see ourselves through your eyes so that we might do home and family as you intended it to be. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Since we are talking about home today, I have a special guest to do the reading. Though she had another engagement and could not attend, she was happy to video it for us. Psalms one hundred and twenty-eight, verse one to six: How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be! Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. your will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. And it's the Lord's blessing for those who fear. Him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you seek Jerusalem and prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. That was Lucy McVie, our six-year-old granddaughter, who uh, I think Daniel was, had, uh, He had the helmet, I think, the other week with the kids' program, and he had a microphone. And she sang, but she didn't have a microphone, so that's the balance out. But um, she'll watch herself later this afternoon on video, I'm sure, and, the, uh, and she'll enjoy seeing herself. This psalm is one that was sung by the pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. is called the marriage prayer because it's often uh, sung at the Israelite uh, weddings. And as was read by Lucy, God is the true head of the home and God will reward our devotion to him with inner peace as we allow him to be head of our home. A happy home. For many this title might seem like an oxymoron. A figure of speech that combines seemingly contradictory words with opposing meanings. What is home? I guess home for me is a dwelling place of an individual or group, related or not related, that have a loving, safe, supportive environment in which to live and grow. Your definition might be different than mine, but possibly we might have similarities. One of my roles here in, in a pastoral role here is to visit people and... I try to do that as often as I can, along with Laurel. And uh, this past week, I, uh, I visited a particular lady uh, in a nursing home. And uh, she uh, has been bedridden for over two and a half years. When I walked into her room, her face lit up, and she said, hello, Graham. It's so good to see you again. And as I came into her home, I saw her presence, not just physically, but all the photos on the wall, her favourite well-used Bible sitting beside her bed, flowers, and other parts that reflected who, her life and, and what she was doing in her life. This was her home, and I was welcomed there. About 10 years ago, Jenny and myself, I retired once, and it wasn't always made up to be, so I decided to come back to work. But anyway, so 10 years ago, we retired, and uh, for about four or five years, we travelled a lot of Australia in our caravan. That was our home. So, therefore, what I'm saying is that home is about relationships, not simply about a building. That's similar to the church, though, isn't it? Church is about people in relationship who love Jesus rather than simply this beautiful building which we're in. We are so blessed with this building. I'm blessed by this building, but I'm more blessed by you. And happy is one of those words, too, that's lost its true meaning, I think, over time. It's like the word love in our society. We throw it round uh, willy-nilly. But to have a happy Home, in my opinion, is categorically what God wants us to have. It's not an oxymoron. It is God's plan that we might experience what the psalm said in Psalm 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labour. How joyful and prosperous you will be. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. That's why I had Lucy there, because I enjoy my grandchildren. May you have peace. The principles I want to share with you are not new. Like a lot of things in life, we do knowing better than we do being and doing. We can get very comfortable in knowledge. Knowledge. And struggle with the application as a follower of Jesus if we actually lived out what we know how different our lives would be how different our communities would be how different our world would be how different our homes would be if I'm sure you are like me. I want to live out my family, my relationships better. I want to have a better attitude. I want others to always feel safe around me. I want to respect others the way they deserve to be respected. And I want to be loved and loved by others as God first loved me. I'm sure most of you would feel the same way. The truth is... I identify with what the Apostle Paul says. So the struggle is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate." So, we all have this ideal, the way we want to think, speak, and relate, the way we want to live. Unfortunately, far too often, our reality falls way below our ideal. And for many, the way of dealing with that tension is to ignore it or to do nothing about it. That attitude then rarely results in a happy home you see a happy home is a place that we can be who God created us to be by being a learner of ourselves and of others it is about living in harmony accepting differences supporting each other and when differences show which is far too often to see ourselves as an important part of the solution and not copping out by blaming the other person as the problem. Paul says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. See, again... These words are God's words. They are plainly written so that we can know how to live and what to do in every situation. They are written so that we have no excuse as to what we should be doing. This year is the 10th anniversary of the publishing of the World Happiness Report, I'm sure you are as surprised as I was to know that such a thing existed. But here it goes. The report gathered information from 150 countries and specifically monitored the performance in six intentional categories. Firstly, gross domestic performance per capita, which simply means productivity, social support in community, healthy life expectancy, freedom to make your own life choices, generosity of the general population, and sixthly, perception of internal and external corruption levels. It's an interesting one, isn't it? The research created a fictitional country called Dystopia. What an interesting name for a fictional country, eh? Dystopia. And this fictitional country, they filled it with The world's least happy people. I hope none of us were invited to be part of that uh, little country. Dystopia as the rock rock bottom value in each of the six categories and measured the six scores of the real world countries against this value. The Gallup uh, polling results showed Finland as number one. Denmark as number two. Switzerland is number three, and good old Aussie land come in at number 11. We're pretty good, aren't we? But those of you Kiwi people, you are, did better. You come in at ninth, so you'd beat us by two. So there's a few Kiwis here, and Afghanistan came in last. It's interesting what people identify as the criteria for assessing happiness, whether that be individual, family, community, or country. And I guess for a lot of people that we know, and sometimes even in our own lives, we seek happiness through material things, through being popular, through the capacity to make money, and even for many, I guess, the, the opportunity of regularly having a very special holiday. They're things we look forward to that make us happy. But as we also know, these things are temporary. They come and they go. There are many uh, qualities we could present, or I could present, Um, but I've chosen three. And as I looked around today and as I saw people coming in this morning, um, there were many of you who I have sat with and done prepare with as you prepared for marriage. I'm not going to name any of you, Um, but you might recall, hopefully you might recall this, even though some of it might go back 20, 25 years ago that uh, of the prepare course, the nine categories, I would say, I'd say to couples, there are three that I call the tripod uh, of marriage or family, the tripod of home. And those three are good communication, managing differences effectively, and Christ-centeredness. I honestly believe if we do those three well in our lives and in our relationships, we've got a good chance of having healthy, stable homes and families. And I believe if we do these things well, we can raise the bar. Because Jesus didn't come to lower the bar. Rather, he came to encourage us through his grace and his mercy to live in a manner that truly pleases God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeated these phrases on a number of occasions going through each of the seconds uh, in his sermon things like you've heard that our ancestors were told or you've heard the commandment that says or you've heard the law that says Jesus was quoting from the law and the prophets in those occasions then Jesus went on and he encouraged them to go the people listening to go beyond what they had been taught under the law. He wanted them to add grace. He challenged them to experience the very nature of God by the way they lived. Let me give you an example, Matthew 5 and verse 42, 43. You've heard uh, the law that says, love your neighbour and hate your enemies. But Jesus said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to act as true children of your Father in heaven. I want you to be reflective of who he is in your life. And Ephesians 4 says that we all need to come to unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, That we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete measure of Christ. What does it mean for you and for me to be mature in the Lord? To measure up to the full and complete measure of Christ. That's raising the bar, isn't it? So let's look at these three. And I won't spend too much time on each of them. If you need to know any answers, ask anybody who's done prepared with me and I'll give you the right answers, okay, in these three areas. Communication. Communication is not just verbalization. Communication is connection. Communication, as we all know, is not easy. Good communication, I believe, is possible, but it takes work. Communication is not just about turning up with your ears, uh, but it's turning up with your mind and your heart. I like this phrase. We hear with our ears, we listen with our heart. Communication is much more than words just coming out of my mouth. Let me explain. Research has been done over many years and it reinforces the same basic results. It shows that communication is 55%... Of nonverbal or body language. 38% of our communication is in our tone, and 7% is our verbal or our words that are used. So, what does that mean? It means that words are very important because when I'm talking to you, even now, I'm primarily thinking of my words. I wasn't realizing I was going to do that. That wasn't part of my script, but I've done that. Or the way I use the tone of my voice, but the words is what I'm thinking of as I'm the communicator. But as soon as I start listening to you or somebody else, I, my antennas go up for tone and body language. Now, I'm going to give you an example, and I've asked permission for this, okay? So don't criticise me after I've done this, please. I brought my phone. Now, if I texted all of you here right now, and I said uh, in my text to you, and the, all the phones go beep, 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 well, one time now, and as you look at... This text from me, you read, and now it's from Graham, because my name's on your phone, hopefully. My wife's name is Jenny, whom I love very much. You go, oh, isn't this guy fantastic? 41 years of marriage, and he's saying this in the service, and, and he still loves his wife very much. Now, I text a lot, but I'd rather talk to somebody over the phone. So I will ring each of you, okay? and I can put it to my ear, and I can say... My, I want to introduce you to my wife, whose name is Jenny, whom I love very much. Oh, I got some reaction then, didn't I? Thank you, Sharon. Okay. What say, though, I come face to face with you and I want to introduce you to my, my wife? So I say to you, I want to introduce to you my wife, Jenny, whom I love very much. All right. You'd suggest I go and see a counsellor after church to sort it out, I'm sure. What happened then, though? With the words that I texted you, had no tone, had no body language, the message was clear and it was acceptable. It was quite nice, actually. When I spoke those same words without you seeing me, you got a message that puts you in doubt into the words I was saying, true? But as soon as you saw me saying these same words, you thought, what a horrible bloke that Graham is. Right. Amen, brother. Preach it, eh? You bet. Thank you, Dave. I knew you'd come in there. Okay. So, so the fact is, we, and we all do this every day, and uh, how, we, how we communicate is so important in the way we build relationships, so we might be able to have a happy home. God's communication, in my opinion, is always clear. There are over 400 Old Testament prophecies of the coming of Christ. And and, and when I even look at Christ, look at Jesus, the way he dealt with people, there's two quick examples I want to give. Firstly, Jesus uh, having a connection or communication with um, the Samaritan woman. At the well, Jacob's well, and he asked, "When this woman came along, would you give me? Could you please give me a drink?" And there was this uh, interaction where the woman said, "You're a Jew. You know, I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman, as well. Jews don't talk to people like us, but Jesus did. And through that interaction, Jesus had offered her living water. Jesus showed her acceptance and kindness." in the way he related and communicated with her. On the contrast, we read in Matthew 23 how Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and the the religious leaders. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you won't let others enter either. This contrast that Jesus had in the way he communicated was very clear. And I, 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 said I was reminded of the, uh, this Paul in, in Ephesians uh, 4, 14 and 15. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? People can tell us and trick us with lies that sound so clever it does sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. That's the way God wants us to communicate. That's the way we can have a valid input into each other's lives that might help us to experience a happy home. Secondly, managing differences. We are all individuals who are special and unique in our own way. There is no uh, two of us that are the same. As a result, differences are normal. How we manage those differences either makes or breaks our relationship. Unfortunately, when differences arrive, people either stop communicating or start communicating poorly. This only accentuates the problem causing withdrawal, anger, resentment or complacency in a relationship. You see, our differences initially are what draw us to another person. Also, our differences are what eventually pushes us away from another person. Blessed are those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. How true those words are. Pride is such an obstacle in managing differences. In my pride, I think I know it all. They present an unteachable spirit and unteachable spirits are unable to listen and to learn. God wants us to deal with our pride so that we can become humble and our humility allows us, sorry, our humility allows a person to engage in a relationship that demonstrates Respect. To respect every member of your household is equally valuable to, is equally valuable to God and to you. And I, I guess we can be reminded this time too of that golden rule that Jesus uh, spoke about in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Again, Jesus lived this. He embraced differences and brought out the best in people. Zacchaeus is a good example of that. The tax collector, he, uh, he went into his home and had a meal. I'm sure he brought happiness to Zacchaeus's home. Be strong enough in your character to speak, seek forgiveness. This is not the forefront of my character growing up, but over the years I've learnt to be a bit more forgiving, I think. See, forgiveness is essential to have a happy home. Forgiveness sets us free. And do you realise that forgiveness for a follower of Jesus is not optional? It's mandatory. The words of Jesus says this, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And the words of Paul it says get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you wow the dynamics that can make our homes a happy place we take on these words through the death and resurrection so the birth death and resurrection of jesus forgiveness and reconciliation came to the world For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. How true. And Christ-centeredness, the last one. Without Jesus as Lord of our lives, we will never find true happiness. I guess over the years I've met many, many people who, through different ways and means, have sought to find happiness and each time it's ended in a dead end. Christ-centered living... A life begins with realising that the source of everything we have is in the Lord. And Peter says these words, May God give you more and more grace and peace. He is our source as we grow in our knowledge of God and Jesus as our Lord. Being Christ-centred can hold on firmly to two very important truths that we find in Colossians. Firstly, that we were created by Jesus and secondly, we were created for Jesus, by him and for him. Let me conclude with uh, these words from Proverbs chapter 22 Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I come across this survey, and this survey stated that if a child is the first person in a family, in a household to become a Christian, There is a 3 to 5% probability that everybody in the household will follow. 3 to 5% if a child is the first one. If a mother is the first to become a Christian, then there is a 17% probability that everyone will follow. I thought it might have been higher than that, but that's what this research has stated. However, if a father is first to become a Christian in a household, there is a 93% probability. That everyone else in the household will follow. Dads have, Dad, you dads, you have an impact upon families in the faith. Let me encourage you today, as we draw closer to Christmas, to uh, reassess your home and your family. Whether your home consists of one person or of many people, these principles for a happy home apply to us all. And my prayer is that you will search your mind and heart to grow in each of these, to communicate better by truly listening, to hear the meaning and value of the other person, for them to be safe, that your differences will make you stronger, not divide you, through respect of each other, and that reinstating your commitment of Jesus being your Lord and Saviour, You have a source, a resource in the scripture and a guide in the Holy Spirit to be Christ-centered. Our life is all about the preparation, though, for the future, isn't it? We experience Jesus Lord now, but what we have waiting for us is truly God's happy home. And in John 14, we read these words. This is from the message translation. Jesus spoke to them, don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my Father's home. If there weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. There are many that we have who have lived with us, who we have loved, who have now gone to the Father's home. Whether we have a happy home or not, in Christ we'll have a happy home with the Father. Let me pray, if you please. Our Heavenly Father, I want to pray a blessing upon each home here today. As as Christmas is only a couple of weeks away, let us open our hearts again to the beauty of Christ's birth and the costly gift that you gave all people. You love your beloved son, Jesus, and you want us to have happy homes. Each home is made up of individuals. Each person is unique. Each person is created by you. Each person is special in your sight. And we need to be aware that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And for that, we want to give you praise. Please give us wisdom and insight to see, often through the fog of life, that our hope is in you. Burden our hearts to desire for our homes to be safe places That we would relate to each other in an honourable and respectful manner. That in our commitment to be Christ-centred, we express forgiveness and seek reconciliation. Our reason for living, dear God, is your plan, not ours. Please show us mercy and give us the grace to do what is right in your sight. And we ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.